Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, November 25th. We've got a warm and cozy show for you this holiday weekend. Coming up, you can thank a group of scrappy Kansas City women for the invention of the crock pot as we know it today. And I just remember lots of high pressured meetings where it's gotta do more, you've gotta come up with more. And, And we would come back and just shake our heads and say, we're trying, we're trying. We'll look at how Kansas City created the crock pot half a century ago, but first, From a small storefront in Old Town Lenexa, Jude's Rum Cakes has been turning out thousands of tasty treats that ship around the country during the holidays. KCUR's Julie Denishe reports. The ovens are heating up inside Jude's Rum Cakes, a narrow storefront in Old Town Lenexa. Owner Craig Adcock is vacuum sealing finished cakes so they can be shipped to customers. (laughs) It's kind of a shotgun, long and narrow kitchen space, but it seems to work for us. So today we're doing a combination of teaser cakes, the muffin size, the small and the large. We've been making them for about 22 years and we do everything out of this little kitchen, 900 square feet. For Adcock, it all started with a birthday cake. His mother-in-law, Judy Erb, baked him a rum cake. She used an old family recipe and a bottle of rum he brought back from Panama while serving there with the National Guard. The two worked to perfect the recipe, and that first year they sold around 80 cakes. Since then, the business has grown. Now Adcock's Kitchen turns out 40,000 rum cakes a year. So there's six ounces of rum in every cake, but it seems to just really balance out and layer everything between the butter, the pecans, the oils, the eggs, the mix. It's a nice balance. No, No rough edges. Back in the kitchen, Maricela Rivera's buttering bundt cake pans. She says rum cakes have become a part of her holiday tradition. Yes, I love every time, <laughs> and my family too. Thanksgiving, and Christmas, New Year, for birthday too. Sourcing the finest local ingredients is Adcock's mission. The pecans he uses in his rum cakes come from a 200-year-old orchard in Nevada, Missouri. Adcock has tried pecans from all over. He says Missouri pecans are special. Missouri pecans are, they're just phenomenal. And I always tell people, so I grew up in Mississippi. We had 13 pecan trees on our property. And so I know pecans because that's what we did all damn summer. And, And into the fall is, you know, crack damn pecans. Well, then I move up here. And I come to find out these pecans are smaller, the ones in Missouri, but they're native. So they're the original pecan and the ones that we had in Mississippi are a hybrid of these. So the ones in Mississippi are bigger, but these are smaller, but they pack more punch. But Adcock says running a small business means constantly adapting to a changing landscape. With the cakes, I mean, this is kind of my anxious time because I'm ordering everything. I'm also balancing my budget. And there's so many moving parts that sometimes you forget how intense it is. But you know, everything's kind of coming together. This year's supply chain issues have made his costs go up. The supply chain is real. Like my same cake boards, three years ago I was paying 19 cents, now I'm paying 55 cents per round. 
just because I guess they can. And then my boxes went up like 30%. It's a cost Adcock says he reluctantly has to pass on to his customers. I was like, hey, we're going to raise the prices November 1st. And people have been really, really great. You know, I think it's important to be transparent and, uh, you know, just take people on the journey with you. With the cakes out of the oven, Rivera adds the rum glaze. The warm, buttery smell fills the kitchen. When it's really cold outside, it's kind of cool because my side of Old Town smells like rum cakes. It's fun to be able to do what you do and for people to appreciate it and to get it and to allow you to continue doing what you do. For Adcock, rum cake season heats up in the weeks after Thanksgiving. He's back to sealing up finished cakes so he'll be ready when the orders come in. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Julie Denishay. No Midwestern cookout is complete without a delicious chili or dip simmering in a crock pot. But when the device was first unveiled by a Kansas City company in 1971, it promised something more, freedom. From KCUR Studios podcast Hungry for Mo, Mackenzie Martin brings us this story. Before the crock pot was the crock pot, it was called the Naxon Beanery, and its purpose was a little more specific. Patented by prolific inventor Irving Naxon, the beanery was originally inspired by a Jewish stew that was slowly cooked on Fridays in preparation for the Sabbath. As a product for mass appeal, though, the beanery never quite took off. The crockpot as we know it today is really thanks to the Kansas City company Rival Manufacturing. The company acquired the bean pot in 1970, almost as an afterthought. They really didn't give it much credence at that time. Rival home economist Roxanne Weiss says the device was handed over to the company's test kitchen, where an employee named Marilyn Neal recognized almost right away. This can cook way more than just beans. From that point on, I believe they gave those home economists in the test kitchen a lot more attention than they ever did before. The newly renamed Crock-Pot made its official debut in 1971 at the National Housewares Show in Chicago. Now available in colors like avocado and harvest gold, it appeared in print ads and television commercials as a miraculous time-saving device. The pitch worked. Crock-Pot sales hit two million the first year it was introduced. Four years later, that number exploded to 93 million. Rival's home ec department took on the task of teaching people how to use the Crock-Pot. The internet didn't exist, of course, so they would spend hours testing soups, stews, and roasts for inclusion in the recipe book that came with each device. The food was probably Midwest in in that. And you look at who was in those test kitchens, but at the same time, that was comforting old-fashioned food, and beef stew transcends all of the United States. Kathy Moore started at Rivals Test Kitchen in 1976, and she very clearly remembers the recipes from this era. The Busy Woman's Roast Chicken, Pork Chop Abracadabra. You can even taste Kansas City influences in dishes like steak soup or brisket, cooked low and slow. Kathy and Roxanne loved this part of their job, but most of their time was really spent doing quality control, 
putting the crockpot through its paces with the engineering department. And I just remember lots of high-pressured meetings where it's got to do more. You've got to come up with more. And, and we would come back and just shake our heads and say, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. <laughs> the crockpot also came on the scene at a serendipitous time. A major oil crisis in the 1970s made Americans especially concerned about their energy usage. So the crockpot, which cooked all day for four cents, was far more efficient than an oven. Not to mention, more women were working outside the home, and Rival marketed the crockpot directly to them. Here's the Rival crockpot with a stoneware liner that lifts out for easy serving and cleaning. These women embraced the crockpot as a way of providing a nutritious and affordable meal without having to spend a lot of time during the day standing over a hot stove. Paula Johnson is the curator of food history at the National Museum of American History. She says when the crockpot came out, it mostly benefited the middle-class white woman who could afford it. And it sometimes set women up for even greater expectations, rather than actually giving them a break. But Johnson has also spoken to teachers, nurses, and factory workers who call the crockpot a lifesaver. It was easy. It was foolproof. It, it made tough cuts of meat more tender with the long braise. It's easy to see why nearly 12 million slow cookers are still purchased every year. Kathy and Roxanne eventually left Rival Manufacturing, but they never stopped cooking crockpot recipes together. They're still in Kansas City, too. They just cook on their own terms now. If you ask these crockpot pros why it endures today, it's not just about convenience. It's about that feeling of coming home to a hearty meal already simmering away. I don't think that any meal delivery or any of the frozen products can ever replace the aroma, the comfort, the emotion, and the memories that come from a home-cooked meal. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Mackenzie Martin. You can catch the new season of KCUR Studios podcast Hungry for Mo next week. Just go to kcur.org slash hungry or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for Hungry for Mo comes from the Missouri Humanities Council. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Julie's story about Jude's rum cakes, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously, but you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit radioactive on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party and it's going to be bumping. You got to be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive.